Suspend your disbelief. Let yourself be led down a path into the world of the paranormal, where ghosts, shadow people, cryptids, aliens, and all things supernatural dominate. Immerse yourself in a dimension of ominous trepidation with your hosts, Dan, Danny, and Rachel. Welcome to the Phantom Faction Podcast. And welcome to this edition of Phantom Faction Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm Dan. And I'm Rachel. All right, and we do have a guest. We do, yeah. And uh, I reached out to Dave from uh, CHAPS, which is Canadian Haunting and Paranormal Society. And we have Dave through Zoom. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about this, uh, can we call it an organization or your group? CHAPS, uh, I started investigating about 25 years ago, and then uh, in uh, 2005, I founded CHAPS uh, up in Pembroke, Ontario at the time, uh, and uh, it was kind of honestly more of a, a rebuke to society up there, kind of, a, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, an overly religious society, and part of me was uh, getting shunned quite a bit from what I would talk about what I did, and so I, I kind of put it together. Uh, it, it did pretty well, and uh, since then, I mean, I, I'm back down in the GTA, moved back to Oshawa, opened an office here. We still have the office running up there uh, out of Ottawa and Pembroke. Um, 2008, we became the TAPS family team for Ontario, um, mm-hmm. and have had a few hundred investigations since. Um, I've been pretty fortunate, uh, cover the province of Ontario, and uh, northeastern seaboard in the United States. Uh, we've done a number of cases down there, in, in there and through the Midwest. Um, most of our work stateside generally is you know, top training or uh, uh, road trips, you know, so we can do stuff for us. Uh, but uh, it's, it's been pretty active, obviously, this year. It's been a little, little slower, uh, although things are gearing back in right now. Um, not to the extent we, you know, we would want, but uh, it is what it is. And uh, but it's it's kind of a a good positive, really, because it's challenging us to have to think out of the box on how we're supposed to investigate and keep the momentum going uh, when we're not, you know, really supposed to be eye to eye with people and touching things. <laughs> That's right. Uh, do you find um, you said like back in the the earlier days when you first started, it may not have been accepted so much that you were hunting paranormal. Do you find that a little more open now? Well, I think sometimes when you get a bit of uh, foot traffic behind you, it gets a little easier to get uh, things going. Um, but uh, no, no, I think uh, the very stereotypical puritanical mindset of it um, is the same down here. Um, like my team up there in Pembroke is just as busy. They like to talk about the stories, but you know, actually getting you in there is another thing. Uh, it's funny, there's different parts of Ontario that were a lot busier. Um, you know, like down Chatham Ways and that lot, we had tons and tons of cases which provided for tons and tons of driving. Um, and here uh, around Oshawa and the Toronto area, it's funny that uh, it, it's not necessarily the case. Uh, a lot of the places you would go around here, of course, are commercial. And either there's one or two scenarios. I mean, one scenario, they don't want you in there at all, right? Whether it be insurance or whatever. Another one is the reputation that teams have. Um, I don't know what it is about certain areas. We seem to have a, a good plethora of uh, 
I don't want to call them overweight teams or whatever, the, the, the thrill seekers that go in there and run around and scream, kind of put up a, a bit of a bad stamp mm-hmm. um, around here specifically anyway, around uh, GTA. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know that the, that the opinion of what we do has changed much. I think our opinion of what we do has changed a lot. Right. You, know, you get a couple hundred cases behind you and actually get a chance to work with a variant of teams you certainly develop an opinion of it. And, and what we were looking for 15 years ago, what we're looking for now, and how we go about it, of course, is also different. So I don't know if it's so much the society's changed in its viewpoints in the paranormal or we have. And what spawned your interest to uh, to even get this going and started? Uh, did, you, did you have experiences as a youngster? or? Yeah, okay. So on one hand of my life, I grew up in the spiritualist church. My mom was at a, you know, We'll call it a new ager. Um, I don't know if we call it new age, but like we're talking Fox sisters, mediumship, spiritualism. Uh, so I was always around things like house clearings and all that when I was younger. Um, so I mean, like I was open to it, even though it's actually the furthest from my mind now. Uh, say 25, almost 30 years ago, um, when training with my uh, martial arts instructor, I used to visit in Maryland quite a bit. Uh, we went to Gettysburg at night, and uh, I remember being in an off-road down by. It wasn't on the standard routes that everybody goes on the museum tours. We were on a we were on a service road, my sensei and I, and it was pitch black. And we watched what I could best describe being was like a, looked like a lantern walking down the hill towards us, which was kind of freaky. Um, and then it was like a flintlock pistol went off in the car. A muzzle flash over by his door, and uh, we we took off out of there pretty quick. Or, you know, he, he was driving, we got out of there pretty fast, <laughs> uh, which kind of then made me say, I gotta look into this further because your karate didn't work on the ghost, did it? <laughs> <laughs> and and in my, my sense, it was like 6'6 and 310 pounds of bricklayer, and it, he drove off pretty fast. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's just little. Uh, <laughs> So it, it sort of got me happening, and uh, I was doing it independently for a while. And then, like I said, in, in Pembroke, it was just a, a kind of a, a thing. I, I joined a spiritualist group up there because uh, of like-minded people, and then we started talking about this, and then they all kind of fell into the other. Uh, we started off kind of the same way everybody else did with the, uh, you know, the first time you turn on, uh, night vision on your camera and you see a bunch of orbs you, you flip out and holy hell my barn because that's what the first thing we resonated was my barn and uh, like it's always haunted right and then uh, probably about three investigations and we started to recreate that kind of stuff and then that's when that went out the window but uh, yeah uh, so we started much like everybody else um, and uh, yeah like I said it's 15 years ago and we've got about 19 members to the team right now wow yeah, yeah. Uh, most of the team has been with me for 13 years or longer. Dave, uh, you, do, you do a lot of traveling, it seems, a lot of driving. Uh, we're we're going to focus on Ontario mostly. Uh, is there? Does it seem like there's certain areas of the province that have a lot more hauntings and paranormal activity than, than others? Chatham and Niagara. Niagara. Niagara, you said? Chatham and Niagara. Okay. Uh, Why do you think uh, Chatham? Um, same thing as I think Niagara. I think 
I guess. Um, it could be the whole corridor of uh, war activity. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Um, that's kind of like where the whole burden of proof and, right. and all that. Like, like Niagara, I could see because of the falls, powers everything up. Uh, there's a lot of limestone buildings down there. But Chatham, not so much. It's not near a body of water. It's kind of in the middle between London and Windsor. And, yeah. uh, you know. That whole corridor, like uh, southwestern Ontario in general, has, uh, has had uh, a... a uh, a spunket of activity for us. Like I said, it meant for a lot of driving. Right. Uh, probably our, our better, we've had a couple good residential cases, Resi down in, in Niagara, um, a while ago. Um, it's it's a funny area. Like It, it kind of goes in and out of popularity. Um, I know that there's a lot of teams down that way, so I don't know if it's just a matter of people making their route. I know that I've referred a bunch of cases down that way because... We were too busy up here, so I'll probably say, like Niagara, the St. Catharines, Niagara, Hamilton area, Brantford has probably yielded sixty cases for us in the last three years. Wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like I said, I'll send them to uh, to a number of teams down that way. Are they mostly um, homes or um, office yeah. buildings, whatever? No, well, mostly mostly resis. Yeah. Uh, we get lots of uh, requests to go check out Ben properties and that block, but we don't step foot in that. If I don't have the permission to be in it, we're not going there. Right, right. That's always important with with the right permission. Um, now, it's certainly you mentioned that things have changed over you know the fifteen years, and equipment certainly has been a, a big part of it. Uh, what kind of equipment are you using lately? Uh, let's have a look here. Um, a lot of <laughs> so we went. We were really, we were really old school, obviously, when we started. Uh, you know, we were, uh, you know, the, I think there were the high tapes and all that, which I still I still have and still use. Oh, um, you know, <laughs> a static cam that isn't going to hit, you know, a, a line you can get to. Um, you know, so we were, you know, we were having the little uh, Digitech uh, micro cassette audio, mm-hmm. uh, taping everything on to VCR tape and all that noise back then. Um, and we went, uh, well, let's be honest, like every team does for a while, it's like, okay, we got to go uh, batshit crazy and buy everything that's out there. Uh, and then over the last two years, I've really dialed it back because, you know, we've either, you know, beta tested the snot out of something and went, you know, this this really makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really what ends up happening, of course, is you have 19 pieces of equipment going in an investigation. You've got to go over all that stuff and it's all got to correspond. Uh, so now, you know, we do tend to focus more on the equipment that we're running now. I mean, I, I run a, a couple Tascam DR05, uh, Zoom H5. Uh, I have an old school Sony uh, hard drive uh, video camera. And I've got a Panasonic 4K video camera. We've got about five DVR systems. Uh, it depends. Tri-field for the base reads. We do chuck a to out there once in a while if we're just sitting in the room while I watch some lights flash. Uh, and I've got some uh, responsive panels that I use. Uh, you know, um, but we really, like I said, we've been dialing it back. You know, there were some some lessons that we learned, and I think it's it's really important for teams like there are teams that have been around 10, 15 years that kind of 
I'm pretty vocal about it, all right? So they, they do kind of put their head in their ass, and that's where where, where it's going to stay for a while. Uh, the ego is, is, has got to be let go of what we do. Um, when, you know, we, we're a scientific order. No, you're not. The science community thinks we're hilarious. Uh, and really, if you sit down with them, you know, and you'll get taken to pieces. So sometimes you get opportunities like that, which I took. Um, and really kind of had to realize how you have to change what you need to use. Um, and the more I learned that I, I was learning more from um, fledgling teams even, uh, some of the habits they would use, the more I would go, we've probably uh, collaboratively investigated with about 40 teams. And it's really great to come out of one of those investigations going, damn it, you know, we've been doing this really bad for years, you know, we should, we could try this. And we could look at it this way. And that's one of the ways equipment came in. We had a chance to uh, work with a team called CPRI in Virginia. And they're, they're scientists. Mm. That's what they are. One's a chemist, you know, one's a, a botanist. And they all, most of their investigation was data loggers. And they're, you know, they're doing trends. They investigated place 30, 40, 50 times, right? And, uh, but it was interesting because one of the things I kind of got from them over the years of investigating them was, you know, you don't need to bring 45 pieces of equipment to each investigation. Look at the investigation and see what tailors to that investigation and the claims. You know, rather focus and then, you know, derive and then refocus and derive. And uh, it's made it easier because, uh, you know, when you have a case that uh, you go back to and you're like, okay, we don't need to bring X equipment, X equipment, X equipment anymore because it's already been taken care of. Right. Uh, and now we want to work on focus on data. We want to focus on this or that. My last investigation we're working on right now, um, we've been there three times, and I left a data logger there for two weeks. I left an audio for her to do some 20-minute some sessions, uh, a trap camera uh, where they're, they're getting activity, and that's about it. You know what I mean? It was because uh, I don't need any other thing from them. Right. Um, yeah, we find that too. It's a uh, simplicity as far as, you know, digital recorders seem to be the best tool that we have, I, I think, anyway. It's the only tool you have. <laughs> <laughs> I do think when it comes to audio, um, you know, we're, we generally like to stick to uh, a 1 through 3, A, a through C quality. Um, and sentence matter. Uh, we don't bother with noises. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's important just because, I mean, I've seen, you'll, you'll see a team will make a whole case off of, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. dangerous. Or is it the same as making a case based off of K2 alone, right? Um, you know, you got to take a look at what, what the variables are. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, I mean, any equipment you use is viable as long as it's, it's used properly. Yeah. You're pragmatic about it, you know. Yeah. And I think the whole idea of, of uh, I mean, you're, you're certainly, and we're all paranormal investigators, but we're also debunkers. We're looking for that, uh, you know, like you said, the, the listen to the digital recorder. Okay, was that a scraping uh, of my boot on the floor? Or was that, uh, you know, is that the air conditioning turning on? And it wasn't really a whisper. And uh, But it takes a lot of time to go through that stuff, doesn't it? It does, it does. Um, we run, like, especially if we do run a road trip, right? Like, when we did... Uh, I don't know, we'll say West Virginia Penitentiary there, Moundsville. Um, we've done Moundsville a couple times. 
and you know you've got a 10 hour drive there 10 hour drive back and all that uh we generally take it for two nights time we run eight audios you get the place for eight to 12 hours and shot yeah yeah so we use a lot of uh dropbox filing and uh and then i like to go through peer review you know i'll, I'll take what results we got from our team and have my team listen to it and then i'll actually send it sometimes to an independent team to listen to it as well uh, but most of the audio that we do even when it comes to our EVP sessions and our filming we do in uh, third person so anything that gets on audio there's a camera right in front of it so if I'm doing a session I'm being filmed during that session and probably 75 to 80% of our debunking of audio is you know you'll be listening to the audio and you're going to hit okay mark that you know, 421 this happened today. find that spot on video mm-hmm. and you know what sounded like you know uh, I'm coming to kill you is actually a dog barking in the background or, or something. I mean, it's, <laughs> right. Video helps kill it a lot. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Certainly, debunking is certainly a big part of it. The best thing is when you catch on your video recorder and your and your uh, digital recorder too, though, right? Yeah. And that's happened to us as well. Yeah. Um, since you've got such a large team, I'm just kind of curious. Like, what does everybody bring to the table? Do you have any mediums on board? Do you have any? People like with special talents. That's particular. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, when you get the size of area we cover uh, and the number of cases, you know, you can get investigative fatigue. So, I mean, it's a large team, so that I've got people that can do review or some people that can go do investigation. They're spread out. Um, I do not have a medium. Uh, I do bring them in. We did have a medium uh, who worked the way I wanted her to. Um, it comes right down with our team, the kind of the pragmatic basis that we push forth for our specific team, uh, has, it doesn't, the way our, the way our algorithm runs doesn't really fit necessarily with the medium. Um, when we need a medium or a client has asked for one, then we'll contact the team that has one to do that um i mean obviously as you know there's there's a lot of them out, out here at least out here uh maybe it's our team's experience with them that had really run them up with some things so it shied us away from a lot of that uh i gotta be honest for me uh we haven't had the greatest experience uh with mediums uh, i've got nothing against it because i grew up in in the community um you just maybe, haven't found the right one that's, that fits for you. That's right. And, and maybe that makes me probably, you know, it's kind of like being a plumber and watching homes on homes. And you're going to sit there and yell at the screen. Or like what we do <laughs> and watching ghost adventurers or ghost hunters or whatever. And you're screaming at the screen. Uh, growing up in the spiritualist community, uh, being around mediums three nights a week, uh, I, I sort of uh, could tell what wasn't really too good and uh, unfortunately the, uh, the experiences we've had to that matter i decided that the team was going to stick more to the pragmatic side of things so the people that are are on your teams um were they did they come to you and sign up for this or do you hold auditions or how do you work that most of them i get an email if you guys are looking for somebody mm-hmm. um through facebook um, sometimes uh, we've got quite a few members on our team that were actually past clients. Uh, 
it really comes down to it, we have a process for that. I mean, I've been through a lot of numbers because when times are demanding and you're doing a case every single weekend uh, and there's travel involved and money involved and, and all that, you've got to have the right people. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you'll get people that want to join a team just because they want to see cool stuff. Right. They expect you're going to go to an investigation and get into a WWF fight, which we all know it's the most boring thing in the world to actually do. Um, and then it comes time to actually go over evidence. And then it's like, well, I don't have eight hours to spare to do this. Well, you're not really part of it. So, you know, we do have a process where, you know, you're, you'll, I'll, I'll guest somebody out on a couple of investigations, just see how the match goes. Um, and you could generally tell after that. And then you'll go through a probationary status. And then, uh, then do it. Then basically get your picture on the website. <laughs> right. That takes about a year, year and a half. I mean, uh, you'll probably do twenty investigations before you get on a website. Um, it is what it is. Uh, but that's why I've got members that have been with the team for you know eight, thirteen years in Nando's because uh, you, you, the vetting process is is pretty heavy. You know that, and I know that in this um, community, there are a lot of people that want to be very dramatic. And uh, it doesn't have to be that way, you know. Um, it doesn't, you know. I mean, you you can be interesting and not have to run screaming like an idiot down a hallway. You know? yeah. Dave, one of the things that uh, I like to ask other paranormal investigators, and this is something we've all dealt with uh, many many times, is what do you do to protect yourself from bringing home any attachments? Or have you ever had anything follow you home from an investigation? No. Really? No. Um, I, I don't prescribe to a lot of the uh, attachment. Uh, like I, I haven't run into it yet. Oh, so uh, that I know of. You've never seen anything out of the corner of your eye at home? Anything dark or? Yeah, um, but that was happening all along. So I don't know. See, mitigatively, I don't know if that was me bringing something over that was just there may be something here or if it's maybe my my own imagination hmm. tell me about uh, you, you mentioned uh, you've, you've done some places pretty famous places um, uh, maybe mention a, a couple that uh, you've done in the past okay uh, Moundsville West Virginia State Penitentiary fantastic place uh, well worth the drive um, it is it's cool we, we've been in I know that uh, Sandy and I, that's my wife, she produces our, our material. Uh, we were doing a uh, kind of skit role play in the, uh, in, in the high detention area there. Uh, the top of it's all, all fenced off. Uh, you can't get up there, but we are having rocks pelted down on us and uh, uh, doors being slammed shut from up top. Uh, it, it was probably one of the creepiest places. It was awesome. We did... Uh, I think two years ago we did Shawshank. Um, Shawshank was kind of neat. We uh, there was one of the claims was that uh, the guy had been set fire uh, in his cell. Uh, so we we did we were working with another team. They put a REM pod in there. We put a uh, a REM pod and a thermal in the in the cage. We went about a hundred feet away and we were yelling our questions down range uh, and got uh, thermal reads and the REM pod set off to each question. That was kind of neat um i have a hard time with rem pod personally but that was interesting enough because there there was you know there was no cell phones near it or anything set it off um shawshank was pretty cool uh probably one of the best places we've done is in illinois ashmore estates 
Uh, Robin Terry runs a right, right good ship down there. Um, what I mean by this place being amazing to me, our EVPs that we were getting were really, uh, really too clean. Um, kids, if you see Ashmore, it's, it's far away from everything. It's in a, it's in a field and getting kids' voices playing, yelling, screaming, um, it all goes with the, with the claim as well. Uh, and the majority of the activity at Ashmore Estates is during the day, which of course would go with the, you know, the statement, of course, it was a poor farm. So everybody would be in bed at night. Um, I mean, when you do a place like Ashmore, we actually, we were there for five days in total over two trips. You stay on property. Uh, you, there's cabins outside of Ashmore and you go in and out 24 hours a day. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's great. Um, so you can run your equipment 24 hours a day, which is good for trends. Um, St. Albans in the States was interesting. Uh, Bacon's Castle in the States was neat. Uh, really honestly, the, the interesting places that, we, you know, we've been down there, um, is, is a lot. Uh, some of them didn't quite add up. Uh, wasn't huge, huge fan of Waverly Hills. Uh, and Rolling Hills didn't turn my peak all that much either. Uh, enjoyed the ships right over on the Buffalo side. The three battleships that are there uh-huh. are, are really good. Uh, they're just cool. Uh-huh. Uh, we've done those a couple times. Oh, there's, there's a lot of places. Uh, Old, Fort, Old Fort Henry in Canada uh, was okay. We did, um, I got a little bit of guff for the Old Fort Henry. We did Old Fort Henry in Cornwall Jail. And, uh, we're Taps family, and Taps had done it. And uh, on our investigation, we debunked the evidence that Taps came up with, which didn't fare well for me because when I went down to the Taps reading, I got pulled aside by Jason and Grant about that. Uh, <laughs> which, was that the uh, the door opening and closing? And yeah, we debunked it. So oh, really, uh, well, it, what was the what was the cause of the door opening and closing then? The doors are weight pinched, so weight hinged. They they shut on their own anyway. Ah. So um, it is what it is, and uh, we had a little bit of a laugh over that because you know, as we know as investigators, it's okay to debunk somebody else's work. That's fine because that's that's what we do. Right. You know, that's what we do. We go into a place to go. Okay, this was the claim that they found. I do that too. There are teams that I'm really close to. You know, I mean, cops up this end here, Wes and I are very, very close, and we do some uh, places that they do, and we'll pick back and, and, and forth. And, yeah, we've, and, we've had Wes on the podcast. Yeah, if, if Wes finds something that we did and it's wrong, that's fine. Uh, work, I, I learned from Wes. Wes came to me, I guess, six years ago about training. I met him at Tim Hortons, and we started going over the basic foundations of, of a paranormal team. And uh, so, you know, we took them out to a couple of investigations and uh, we brought them to West Virginia and to Shawshank. Uh, and they were the ones that, you know, we kind of learned some things off, actually, you know, when they were doing things that we hadn't done. Like, you know, you take using a, an audio with a set of headphones, therefore turning your audio into a parabolic dish. We never did that. We just set an audio down. I thought, wow, crepes, let me try that. And I'm like, holy crap, you could hear like six miles away. You know, you could, you could debunk things as it's happening. Um, which is cool. So, uh, no, Wes and I have a, have a, have a lot in common. Um, we've worked with a lot of, a lot of teams around here. We did a lot of team training as well, which is great. And it's good to see those teams, uh, doing well and, um, learning from them. How did the, uh, the whole thing with TAPS come about? Uh, well, with TAPS, I mean, that, that comes like where, you know, people 
need to have some kind of Meritful Better Business Bureau badge on your on your website, really. Um, back then, uh, well, I was a fan of TAPS uh, because TAPS did things a little more pragmatically. Um, so back then, you applied to be part of the TAPS family. Oh, okay. And there was like, I don't know. <laughs> so I think there was a couple hundred applications sent in a month, and uh, we had to prove we had a website. We had to show thirty investigations. We had to show our evidence. We had a lot of stuff. It took months and months and months and months uh, to get into Tess family. Um, and then, uh, two years in, I became the international manager. So I was running teams uh, all over the globe, um, which I had a great time because I, I went to uh, over to Europe and that to meet some of the teams. Mm-hmm. That worked with Taps. Um, that was when they were in the, in the high boom, um, when the show was uh, when everything when paranormal TV was at its peak, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that was the direction we went. We took our alignment with Taps. Um, it is what it is nowadays. I, I'm not sure what it takes to get into it. I know that uh, the province of Ontario was covered, so nobody can come in Ontario. But uh, uh, generally, in the states, they'll have two teams per state. Here in Ontario, I'd love to have somebody up around Thunder Bay because uh, that's a hell of a drive. Um, <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, it is what it is. Uh, and, and there's been trends when it comes to that because the shows have changed a bit. Um, and I don't, I don't know the people that correlated Tops Family with Ghost Nation yet um, mm-hmm. as opposed to Ghost Hunters, which has nothing to do with it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... Uh, and then, and then, you know, you get the whole political matter of team versus team versus team in, in the um, media world, um, right? Which is another kettle of fish, right? Is there uh, certain television shows uh, besides Taps that uh, that you approve of, and some that you don't? I, I've had fortunate occasion to to have some interactions personally with a lot of them, so. Um, I like certain shows just because of my dealings with them, and I kind of look past whether I'm seeing something on the show that I think is ridiculous. Um, honestly, if it really comes down to if I'm watching something for entertainment value and not like, oh, I, like a technique, it's, it's probably Ghost Brothers, actually, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find them fun. Uh, I just like the banter. Gak, I don't, I don't want to cuss that out. I like, look, I'll tell you what, I like the original status that they had when it came to the sequestering of people. I like, you know, when Nick and, and uh, everybody was still on the show. Uh, I like when they make fun of Aaron. Aaron's a great guy. He's really nice. Nick is a super nice guy. Um, I, I don't mind Lockdown. That's not a bad show. Uh, I think they got a little toy crazy in the last season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like them going back to the whole sequestered thing. Katrina's nice. Uh, I'm a big fan of anything Ben Hansen does. Ben Hansen's very cool. Uh, you know, he's he's given me some contact to get some of the equipment that we have. Jump on Josie's. Uh, you know, some of them aren't really so much paranormal. Like, I, I like what Josh Gates does because it's uh, interesting yet doesn't have to draw exactly what we do. Uh, and now lately I've been doing a lot of uh, YouTube scanning and Prime Video and all that kind of stuff because they seem to have a lot of independent stuff out there that either I can look at, shake my head, or enjoy. You're listening to Phantom Faction Podcast. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com. Dave. Is this Mike? Our listeners love the scary stories. That's what it's all about. Now, you told me you were going to come up with uh, some doozies for me. Ones that, ones that really stand out and, you know, ones that 
you know, really affected you or, or uh, you know, the most profound experiences. So if you're ready to make our hair stand on end and... Oh, geez. And, and now you say that, that's hard, right? Because we, we do tend to stick to a more pragmatic side of things. But, <laughs> uh, okay, let's see. If I can go back uh, 12 years ago, we were investigating uh, a mansion. It's, it's, it was a mansion. Um, it's now a museum. And this was in uh, Smith Falls Heritage Museum. And uh, I was, at that point in time in my life, getting involved with the funeral industry, or attempting to. Uh, and they had a funeral exhibit. They had old old caskets and embalming supplies and this sort of stuff. So I said to my team, I said, uh, a lot of you uh, go outside, you know, go go sit in the parking lot, have a smoke, whatever it is. Um, and I was alone, and uh, I was sitting in this room in this parlor. I was sitting on a city, and I had three caskets in front of me. And as I was standing there, I had this little breeze go past my face, and I was like, "Oh, that's awesome! You know, let's 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 go with this. You know, let's go with this." So I sat down in the city, and I'm like, "You know, here are your typical questions that we have." Um, and I felt a depression next to my backside, and I'm like, "That's awesome! Okay, so somebody's sitting next to me. Uh, am I getting a little peaked at this point in time? Absolutely. Human beings do that when they think there's something next to them that they can't see, and then." Uh, about two minutes later, one of the lids falls off one of the coffins and smashes on the ground. Hmm. So, it literally fell off. Yeah, and it, it was it was uh, it was a coffin that was it was a, a transitory coffin used to pick up rotted bodies. It was a, a not a nice coffin, and it was a wicker basket type thing, and, and it was settled and it it flipped and went on the ground. So. Um, like the strong man that I am, I stood up rather quickly and ran out of the room at 130 miles an hour. <laughs> blew my shoulder out in the corner. Uh, I didn't have to show my team that because luckily the DVR system wasn't working that night uh, or it was shut off. Um, the uh, that, that was a pretty frightening one. I know that uh, we had uh, in Niagara, one of our better residential cases, um, a lot of lot of uh, debunking we tried to do on this place because we were having sh shadow figures which was weird uh, for me because you know it's not something I look for but they were happening and then we all went out we generally will leave with somebody to do a solo so my niece was there it's on video and she's talking in one of the bedrooms and all of a sudden you hear this like that and I, I radioed up to her I'm like look I heard that over here what, what was that she's you know upset we went upstairs and went up to the attic and about five of the floorboards were upside down with nails sticking up. Wow. Uh, that was kind of freaky. Mm -hmm. uh, probably one of the, the weirdest cases that I've done, it changed my viewpoint. Sometimes you'll have something happen and it, it'll change you. This was it. Um, we were in Arkansas, and we were in a state mental health facility. Uh, I was up there with another team, and these floors are huge, like... Uh, I would say they're they're damn near five six hundred meters long these hallways, and we're down sitting in the middle and sitting on a picnic table, and I see something like a shadow go forward, and the guy I'm with uh, starts running down the hallway, and I'm looking down, and of course I see the whites of his shoes, and I'm 
because I can't see a damn thing, right? The hallways are dark. And I'm running after his shoes down the hallway, down the hallway, keep going, keep going, keep going, into a room. And I look around the room, and he's not in there with me. And I call. I'm like, Adrian. I holler down the hallway. He's about 300 meters away from me, still down by the picnic table, which is like, like a mile length away from me. Mm-hmm. Now, I had screamed at him, hear me. So which means I was running after something. <laughs> you were chasing the ghost sneakers. Yeah, so that, that was that was interesting for me and kind of changed the viewpoint for a little for a little while on that. I'm waiting for that to happen again. Uh, I'd love it if it would. Um, you know, I mean, there's a, and then and then probably one of the weirdest things was that uh, you think that we got one piece of video. We've only ever gotten one piece of video evidence in history, and that was Carlton Place Hotel. Uh, you have to see my website. I can't describe the video evidence. And my wife um, was a bit, we were at Cornwall Jail in the courthouse. And I only got this over audio because I wasn't in the room. She was uh, doing a session with one of our other investigators. Now, I meet Sandy. Sandy's a very pragmatic, doesn't get feelings, uh, math, science, algorithms. That's my wife. And uh, she's talking. And she's, she's doing this at this point in time just to make just to make me happy. Um, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, because motorcycle go by, that was not the big issue. And then she starts babbling like this weird Enoch language. <laughs> it was totally bizarre to listen to my wife all of a sudden become like something that I wouldn't marry. Um, <laughs> you know, some people are into Ewoks, you know. I get into Comic-Con, I've seen it. <laughs> it was like listening to something out of The Exorcist, and then five minutes later, she's on camera, you know. Uh, and I think I think you can actually still get the value on on my website. Um, it was it, that was to me personally the creepiest thing I've ever done to deal with because, you know, I know my wife. That's a rule. And what was uh, what was your wife's comment on that? She still doesn't believe it's her. Oh, is that right? It is because she goes over the audio and sees the, the files and that. But uh, yeah, she's that's because she doesn't remember that happening. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's been, you know, over the years, you know, we've had some creepy things. Those things kind of stand out. But I think, you know, it, it's more like the experiences you have right. rather than the evidence. I know that with cops, we've investigated uh, their picked-up location a number of times. And, you know, you know, you're going down a hallway and you're hearing stuff being pinged off of uh, aluminum walls and whatnot. And uh, seeing things, hearing noises getting in there. And, uh, and the unfortunate side of it, being the type of investigator I am is... By the time it comes to re- review evidence, you know, I've already knocked that off as being, you know what, I was in a big creepy building. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have a predisposition to feel creeped out. Oh, yeah, definitely. Do you uh, research a lot of these places before you go to them or after? Would you rather not know before you go? or? That depends. Uh, sometimes I'll have some people on my team research stuff for verification purposes. Mm-hmm. But because necessarily we're not we're not working it on a if I was having a media I would I would have uh, some innocuous person on my team do the case management mm-hmm. or if I was doing the case management I wouldn't be involved per se in that part of the investigation do that separately and or if I'm on that investigation I would ask that medium to come speak to me only to let me know where she's getting the juices happening so that it didn't affect the other team members. That's the way I worked with Donald Robertson when we had her on our team. Um, 
you know, it was the only person she was allowed to speak to on an investigation was me. And that was just so that the other people didn't get affected. Um, you know, don't want uh, preconceived notions being put anywhere. So I think that that really comes down to a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, if you're going in there for specific claims, which generally come in the request, right? You know, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. Uh, then that's what we'll go in. And uh, we'll, we'll do further case management. Um, we'll research the area, uh, land registry checks, all that kind of stuff, everything we can. Um um, you know, I mean, anything that'll it'll help the case too, right? Like we we had a case, probably say one of our best residentials is a, is a case where uh, unfortunately a, a young child was murdered uh, in the last five years, uh, thrown down the stairs by a babysitter, um, and we were asked to come in and investigate that house. So obviously we had to do research based on that because we needed names to work with, and we actually role played uh, a hide and seek game with the kid. And got uh, can't find me on our audio two floors above us. Um, so, you know, to us that that directly correlated with the claims of the case, um, as well as the fact that uh, so the the, uh, the young child was was black, and the only one in the house that's being affected is the, is the father, uh, who's black. Different family, um, and uh, we didn't know. If, if there was a correlation of, of, of commonality that was happening, uh, all kinds of stuff. Because the dad was the only one that was being affected in the house. Um, and we're actually going back to work on that case. It'll be our fourth joint there, uh, hopefully in a few weeks, and set up some long-term equipment. Um, but no, no, we, we will, because it's a pragmatic approach we go to, uh, I, I at least have somebody to research ahead of time. Right. How was the father being affected by this little boy spirit? He was being prodded. Uh, like lying in bed, you know, whispered to, prodded, and that kind of stuff. Huh. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it became different kinds of uh, research in that matter. Um, uh, island community, West Indies community, uh, uh, aren't too fond of relation with uh, what, what, what in the islands are called duppies, uh, ghosts. Uh, don't say their name, don't whatever. Right. Uh, Very superstitious, uh, right? Right, it was it was it was freaking them out pretty heavy, and uh, we were trying to save the commonality because it, it was the young black child that was killed, and uh, we thought, you know what, maybe there's a possibility that you know this this kid sees well, this gentleman looks like me. Um, if, if there's any commonality issues with that, we don't know, but it was part of the research because he was the only one being talked to, right, mm-hmm. quote unquote talked to. Um, so that, that's that's part of the research, right? I mean, we, we, we do uh, cultural research, you know, history research, obviously the technical research to the home, uh, to the health, the mental health of the people that are in the home. Uh, all that has to be accounted for before we do, you know, before we do an investigation to go along with the claims. Mm-hmm. Great. So you'll do a, a pre-investigation by talking with these people, getting to get all the information that you need before the full investigation? Yes, because, you know, you know, and I know five times out of ten, they, but there's investigations we know we're going into just because they want to be heard. Mm-hmm. They want to be talked to. So it's too That's, bad. It's almost too bad you don't have a, you know, a reputable medium that could move that poor little boy along too, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's 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 the plausibility of that, um, and it's that's some that's kind of the, the last step to it. Uh, we want to derive a bit more as to as to the the, the extent of what's going on there. 
Like, you know, I still don't, you know, that's, that's where the researcher and investigator comes out as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, and then where it comes to a point where, you know what, you're right. Let's, let's see if that's the case. But the problem is, is finding that reputable person and then did they actually move them along? Like, you know, I guess we have to do an investigation after the fact to see if we got any evidence, but even then you can't guarantee evidence in the case. So unfortunately what we do and, and also what mediums do by large in part is, is, is pro facto. It's all, uh, it's all a matter of, uh, on how people are going to see it and or feel it. Uh, it, it's, it, it. You know, this is why we don't charge for what we do because we can only give an opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, I can only say this is what I got. I'll never use the word proof. This is the evidence I have and you can use it however you want. Um, and, and, and to the same degree, I feel the same way when it comes to the spiritual community. Uh, out this neck of the woods, unfortunately, uh, I would not recommend really any of them. Um, I've seen some investigations that we've done jointly with the other teams go absolutely topsy-turvy uh, due to it. And uh, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping to see the way uh, some mediums can work. And that's not a slight against mediums. Uh, it's just that, again, I, I, I unfortunately have had the wrong, probably the wrong experience. It's sort of tainted beer. I mean, if you, if you have a lot of bad Tim Hortons coffee, you go to Starbucks. Now you have a a website that people can uh, check in on you and uh, lots of pictures, videos. Yeah, Uh, if you uh, Instagram, you know it's uh, chaps underscore paranormal. On Twitter, it's at chaps paranormal. Is www.chapsparanormal.ca, and you can look up chaps paranormal on uh, YouTube. We got about. 260 videos on YouTube. Hmm. The investigators uh, don't wear chaps, though, right? No, no, no. I thought it would have been a good idea years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like five I think it might five. be more accepted <laughs> these days. Uh, yeah, it would be a lot more open-minded, but uh, I'd have to have the best backside on the team, and that wasn't going to happen. So, <laughs> Well, 100 crunches or 100 lunges and squats a day will do that for you. <laughs> Better work on that. <laughs> Dave, I got one more question. What's the weirdest uh, investigation you've ever been on? Like one that you were just like, it just really blew your mind or or just like maybe the, the vibes were weird or... If you're talking about an investigation where I was actually, uh, which which we hope once in a while it's going to happen, like you actually get scared. Um, I live for that. Um, we did uh, a place called the Theatre Centre at DuPont Davenport in Toronto. Uh, I got to admit, the entire time I was there, I was looking behind me. Uh, and that house that I was talking about in Bowmanville with the kid was murdered, um, you know, all night long. And the owners, beautifully, they left. They wanted nothing to do with it. So it was just us. And we're here in, you know, like pure running over your head, running, hard running, up and down hallways, and doors being shut, and that all over the house. Um, Along with the evidence, which you know, we didn't, we don't do EVPs live. We don't listen to EVPs live. But while we were there, uh, it was probably one of the most uncomfortable homes I've been in. Uh, clean as hell. Just uh, wow. Like I, I really, it wasn't. I wasn't scared. It wasn't like you know something's here to hurt me. Right. It was really like a well, there's something um, 
Just the energy in the home uh, was really yeah, that, weird. Uh, that and uh, Picton, um, the Prince, uh, Prince Edward Heights in Picton. Um, uh, get the creeps all over that place. Hmm. I love it. I'm <laughs> uh, walking around a place and getting the hair standing off in the back of my neck. It's, now, do you uh, do you guys ever handle any cryptid or UFO no. cases? Don't don't uh, don't delve into the Bigfoot world at all. Or I talked to my team about it um, because obviously with COVID, you know, we we had to look at things that we could research otherwise, and uh, it doesn't really get the mini of anybody on the team. Hmm. Um, one of the things about Ontario, like when I was, I was living in British Columbia for a while, and then you'd have Ogopogo and Lake Ontario, and you'd have you'd have Bigfoot and all that of it there, um, and you'd have areas where it was dark enough that you could see more of the sky. Uh, living in Oshawa uh, or anywhere in the Toronto area, you know, good luck with the sky. Uh, and uh, I don't know how many Bigfoot or uh, non-nuclear fish are in our lake uh, swimming around with three legs. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, it, uh, it, I think it's, it's hard. We, now, you know, we are now back in the paces of what can we do to get ourselves um, juiced up again, right? You know, you get 19 people that are like, I don't know, I don't want to watch this YouTube video. I just I want to investigate so lately, we've been talking more about some of the urban legends that are around the area. And I've actually got a team, you know, 15 years we haven't done it, but I've got a team going up to Ghost Road in our area here, which is probably similar to, you know, the screaming blue tunnels down in your neck of the woods. Yeah, we've we've heard about the Ghost Road. Uh, Durham Paranormal, I believe, talked about that yep. a little bit. We're going to go up and do it. Um, uh, you know, in my mindset, I'm going to, I'm not, I'm sending a team up there to, to debunk this, um, personally, uh, much like Brock Hill up with my other offices and whatever. I mean, and unfortunately it really just comes down to the legend, but it's an opportunity to get out there and hey, experience something and get new people out there, either experiencing something, learning how to use equipment and also learning about debunking. You know, mm -hmm. I want to see because it's mostly newbies that are going up there. I want to see them coming back and going, I want a couple of them to say, no, this is BS. This is why I think, which is fine. I, I want to hear, why do you think it's good? Why do you think it's nothing? And, uh, you know, don't just say, no. Yeah. But, you know, this, when they, they talk about, say, uh, the lights being from, you know, reflecting off the lake from Oshawa, well, where this is situated to the south of it is actually Blackstock. It's it's 35 kilometers to a different direction than Oshawa and way, way north of the lake. And the, the way, you know, the apex of the road runs, there's, there's not going to be a reflection. Um, so I don't think it's that. So I want to be able to debunk what people say it is. Uh, at the same time, you know, I've been up there, you know, I'm 50 now, so I've been up there a few times when I was a teenager and I never saw anything. Um, mm. Hoping they do. Maybe they catch that uh, screaming blue mini running up the road. <laughs> have a great video that everybody will watch and think. Well, of, uh, if you ever get any calls about Bigfoot or the Dog Man, you can send them my way. I'll, I'll handle yeah, them. It will, because I just don't know what <laughs> what lore there is in, in Ontario. I even asked that question on the fan page. The other day. Well, I thought, you know, five thousand followers on the fan page, and if somebody say something, but uh, there's really that I could see in the GTA anyway. There's not really any claim of anything big and furry or slimy. Just me. I'm the politicians. All right, David. Thank you very much. That was really cool. So uh, once again, it was chapsparanormal.ca.
And on Instagram, it was chaps underscore paranormal and Twitter at chaps paranormal. Hey, thank you very much for having me on the show. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com.